Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. There's none like you in all the earth, God. There's no other name like your name, Jesus. For in that name is salvation. In that name is healing. In that name is deliverance. In that name is protection and provision. In that name is forgiveness. There's grace and mercy in that name. Jesus, we love you. You are worthy. Lamb of God, you are worthy. You are worthy. We give you glory. We give you honor today, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Just wait on him just for a moment. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We praise you. Lord, we love you in this place. We magnify you. Just worship him, church. Just tell him how much you love him. Just love him. It's an intimate time right now. Just tell him, Lord, I love you. I praise you. I thank you, God. I thank you and I love you. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I give you glory. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy, oh God. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. You are so good to us. we declare every lost child brought back home in that name Jesus we declare every marriage healed in Jesus name in that name Jesus we declare every bill paid every need met in the name of Jesus right now father those things that trouble us and Lord those things that hinder us we declare them moved out of the way who are you O mountain you shall become a plain in the name of Jesus Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you, God. We glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Isn't God good? I got you covered. I got it. I got it here in my notes. I got you. I won't forget, baby. All right. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Praise God. Well, I want to take a moment and I want to say hello to everybody that's watching online. And particularly, I want to say hello to Pat Philly, who is in Hawaii right now, watching online. Amen. Hallelujah. We love all you that watch online. We appreciate you. And uh, we appreciate everybody that comes to church and everybody that connects with us. It's so good to be with you. Amen. Well, this morning, we want to continue on with um, the series that we've started a few weeks ago entitled The Way of the Overcomer. And I want to say this to you this morning before we get started. I I just want to uh, remind you a little bit of why that we chose to do this series. One of the things that I have observed as a pastor, I've not only observed it in my life, but I've observed it obviously in lots of others' lives today, is that there are too many Christians falling victim to the trials and tribulations of life when it is unnecessary. 
Listen to me this morning. God has given us everything that we need to maintain victory. Can you say amen? Not only has he given us the tools to maintain victory, he has given us the victory. That's the one thing about God. You know, the amazing thing about God that I love about him is that he, he really does require that we are a people of faith, but he gives us the measure of faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He begins to move in us and he says, this is what I want you to do, but he strengthens us so that we can do it. Can you say amen? He, he is such a good loving father. He, he has provided everything that we need. But the problem is, is so many people are, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling in their Christianity. They are not living the kind of Christianity that the Bible declares that we can. We're living far beneath all the promises of what God has for us. And we need to change that. Can you say amen? We need to be, the Bible, look at the Bible says this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says that we are the head and not the tail. We're the above and never the beneath. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It tells us that we in fact are victorious even though we could not enter the fight. It says that we are more than conquerors. What does that mean? What does it mean that we're more than conquerors? It means that we've been given the right of victory without having ever entered the contest. It means that Jesus fought our battle for us. He won the trophy and then gave it to us. And he said, you are more than a conqueror. Can you say amen? See, victory, listen to me, victory is not an option. See, the problem with a lot of Christians today is we approach life as if victory is simply an option that I can choose. So I can be victorious or I can be a loser. I have two options. I can win or I can lose. But you need to understand something that that is simply not true for the Christian. And you say, why is that? Because victory is not an option. Victory is a birthright. Victory is an identity. Victory is who we are in Jesus. Can you say amen? And we have found out that because of salvation, because of what Jesus did on the cross, that we are actually given the right and the privilege to plead his blood. This this substance, this blood that conquers everything that is the most powerful substance in all of creation has been given to us, not only to cleanse us, to clean us, to empower us, but he's given the right to argue that blood in the face of conflict. What does that mean? That means the blood of Jesus is the evidence of our victory in the court of heaven. Are you hearing me? If you go to the Supreme Court of the United States of America and you present evidence that's compelling and without question, they will rule in your favor. The blood of Jesus is evidence that is compelling. It is absolute. It has been presented. And not only is it presented, but it's presented by the one that gave it for us. And the court of heaven cannot do anything but rule in our favor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The blood of Jesus. We are also given 
the right of testimony. And we have found out that testimony, according to Revelations chapter 19, verse 10, that the testimonies of Christ are as the spirit of prophecy. In other words, our testimony, the words of our testimony, are filled with power to do it again. That, that our testimony, as we speak it, not only does it become this revelation to those that hear it, but it becomes a revelation to us as well that, hey, wait a second, I have faced this before and I win. Yes. Think about David who is facing Goliath. He's faced this problem before. He faced a bear and he faced a lion. And God gave him the bear and the lion and David looks at him and says, and he's gonna give me you too. You gotta like that. You just, you just gotta like that kind of confidence. It's like, I've been here before, you ain't nothing. You ain't nothing to me, because you ain't nothing to God. You are already, you, you woke up this morning and you're the loser. I am the winner. That is the kind of revelation that we need to have. We need to have that testimony. And we need to speak our testimony. We need to tell as many people as we can, if for nothing else, so that we hear it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? Well, your testimony is the testimony of Christ. Whatever Jesus has done in your life, you can speak that out. That becomes powerful as we speak that, and it has the ability to tear down walls. It has the ability to bring victory. It has the ability to change circumstance. Are you hearing me? Now, this morning, what we want to do is we want to move on with a message entitled, Understanding What Life is All About. And as we read our text, I want you to pay very close attention to the words that are stated here. And the reason why is because God is giving us a plan He's giving us a, 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 a um, strategy, if you will. He says in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. We talked about that. By the word of their testimony, we talked about that. And they did not love their lives unto death. Now, here's the thing. In most Christian circles, when they quote this scripture, they quote the first two, but not the last one. They'll say things like, hey, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and then they stop. Well, it ain't done yet. And they loved their lives, they loved not their lives unto death. Now, this is where it gets a little bit dark. I love the Bible. The reason I love the Bible is because the Bible does not shy away from the difficulties of life. You know, and you know, and you'll find in a lot of circles, everybody's about positive confession, and I am absolutely about positive confession. I think we should confess positively. I think we should speak the word of God. We should speak those things that are not as though they were. But that does not mean that we deny the reality of the difficulty we're going through. Okay, the reality is the Bible says in this world you'll have tribulation and sometimes that tribulation is from without. Sometimes that tribulation is from within. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are difficult times. There are difficult moments. And this is where the Bible does not shy away. So this statement, they did not love their lives unto death, is a little bit dark. And that's where I've got to go, okay, wait a second. Time out. I, I just, I thought we were talking about victory. Amen. This doesn't seem, have you ever played that game when you were in kindergarten, what thing doesn't fit? You know, they give you like dog, cat, Horse, motorcycle. What doesn't fit? Motorcycle. It doesn't, 
Well, it's like, you know, the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and don't get too comfortable with this life, you're gonna die. <laughs> what don't fit? It's like, wait, that don't fit. That, that, I, I thought we were talking about victory. I, I thought we were talking about overcoming and winning, and now you're talking about death and dying. I, I don't like that. I, I don't like that death and dying thing. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> the older I get, the less I like it. You, you know, when I was in my 20s, the death, pff, who cares? I, don't, I got a lot of time. Well, I, I still got a little bit of time, but I'm a little closer. I used to, one of the things I used to do is I used to think all the time, where is the halfway point? And so when I, when I was 40, it was like, okay, I could be 80. That's halfway. Well, then I went, no, I don't want to be halfway. So I upped the halfway point to 45. I, people live to 90. That's pretty, that's not uncommon. When I hit 50, I'm going, doggone it. So now I have got to be 106 years old so that I'm at the halfway point. So I've moved it. I am going to live now to 110. Right on. Because I refuse. I got two more years before I get to the halfway point. Right. Actually, about a year and a half before I get to the halfway point. I, and, you know, after a while, it's like, hey, you know, I don't like this death and dying thing. See, when you said we can overcome all the power of the enemy, I was all for it. When you said that we could plead the blood of Jesus, I said, sign me up. When you said... You know, I can testify his good, of his goodness and his blessing. Then you know what? Man, I'm in. But when you start talking about death, well, that's where I draw the line. Bible's gone too far. You know, it, God, don't you love it how theologians always reinterpret what God's saying? God's up in heaven going, no, I meant what I said. <laughs> no, you didn't, God, what you meant to say. I was talking with a pastor a few years back. Um, he's a pastor that I highly respect. He's, a, he's been a real example for me. He's been a friend for a long time. And I asked him, we were having dinner one night and we were sitting there and we were talking about different things and I asked him a question that had tormented me for many years. And I asked him this question. I said, why does God allow us to make such deep and lasting emotional connections with the world around us, and especially with people, and then tell us to rejoice when they're taken from us. Seems a little cruel to me. I've had some people in my life pass and go on to heaven, and while I am so thankful that they are in heaven, the truth is, I don't want them in heaven. I want them here. I know, I'm the only one that feels that way. We all go, no, I'm just so thankful they're all in heaven. No, I want them here. I, it's hard to get a hold of them. They don't have email or Facebook in heaven. It's hard to get a hold of them. I want to talk to my mom. I want to talk to my dad. I want them here. But somehow we've made these connections and now God shows up. It says rejoice that they're, What? I don't get that. Why have you allowed us to connect like this? And his response to me was profound. This is what he said. He says, we are too in love with this world and not enough with the next. I went, wow. See, I believe this is precisely why so many good Christians fall into the cycle of defeat 
is because this life has become just too important to them. Listen to what I'm saying. In our text, the statement is made, they did not love their lives to the death. Now this statement is grounded in three things that we need to pay attention to. It's grounded in perspective, it's grounded in trust, and it's grounded in priority. See, it's my belief that these people had a perspective that came from a revelation that they were just traveling through this life. This life is not the final destination. In fact, this life is just a shadow of things to come. Now here's the problem, church, listen. We fail to understand or maybe what we fail to do is to grasp the reality that we are just traveling through this life. This is not home. But what we do is we tend to act as if this is it. Now, you say, well, how is that bad? Imagine this. Imagine that you are in battle. You have an enemy, and you are dug in. There is a battle taking place. You are waging war. You are in a foxhole, and somehow you decide to take a peek, and you get yourself up, and you're looking over the edges of your foxhole, and you look at your buddy and go, hey, this is it, man. I'm going to build me a house right here. Whoa. Look at this. Man, they've already cleared all the land. I know there's a few little potholes around, but hey, we can make something of this. This is great. We would never, we would never sit back and consider that to, to make our retirement home in a land that is occupied by an enemy. But yet, every day, we pretend, or we maybe don't even pretend, we take on that if somehow this is it, that this is our home, we, we want to set up house, and we want to make this permanent. But this life is not the final destination. In fact, it's just a shadow of what's coming. In 1 Chronicles 29, 15, the Bible says, we are here for only a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone soon without a trace. James 4.14 says, For what is your life, even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? So I don't care how old you are today, whether you're 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, I don't care, it's a vapor, it's here today and gone tomorrow. This life is but a drop, can you say amen? This life compared to eternity is nothing. Can you say amen? amen? And our perspective has to be that. We have to come to a place to say, look at, we are sojourning, we are traveling through. We're not home yet. I remember years ago, there was a, a missionary that had given his life on the mission field in Africa. So much so that when he was a young man, him and his wife and his children had gone to Africa to, to uh, uh, win the, the, the loss that were there in the particular area he had a burden for. Well, over the years, he had a couple children die and finally his wife died there and he had given years and years of his life. 
And finally, he decides, well, it's time to go home. He's an older man now. And he gets on a boat, and he begins to head back. And as he's on a boat, he discovers that there are several dignitaries and, and, and uh, people in high levels of government on the boat. And as they pull into the New York Harbor... There's all this fanfare, there's bands playing and there's streamers and there's uh, uh, you know, all the confetti and people are celebrating and all these dignitaries are welcoming them home. And the man, as he gets off the boat, there's no fanfare, no one even to meet him, he's alone. And he gets off the boat and he begins to walk down the dock heading towards he, what he really doesn't know. He's not even sure where he's gonna go. And he begins to pray and he says, Father, he goes, I gave everything. God, I gave children, I gave my wife, I gave my life, I gave everything, and I've come home, and, and nobody's waiting for me, nobody's celebrating my arrival. What's up with this? What's happened? And God spoke to him and said, son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. See, pro the problem is, church, we, we, we have this perspective that this is it. This is a shadow. This is a vapor of what's to come. Can you say amen to that? Secondly, their trust was in a person and not a system. It wasn't in a philosophy. It wasn't in a program. They trusted Jesus to take care of them in spite of what they could see. Are you hearing me? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, it says, for our light afflictions. And let me just stop there for a moment. This is amazing to me that the apostle Paul would write this because if you do a little bit of a study and find out what Paul went through, you'll find out he went through some stuff. Several times left for dead, several times stoned. And I'm not talking about getting high. I'm talking about they took stones and they, they, they rocked him and tried to kill him. You know, he talked about being beaten. 40 stripes, less one. Uh, several times he's in shipwreck. He's in, in perils of his countrymen, perils of strangers, perils in this, perils in that, difficulties. And he said, even one time it was so bad we thought the only way out was death. He goes, but these light afflictions. He goes, it ain't nothing. This is nothing, and this is why, listen. He goes, these light afflictions, which but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He had this perspective that, yeah, I know things can get tough, and I know things can di get difficult, but this ain't home, and it ain't done, and God's certainly not done. And you know what? Somewhere I come out with glory. I come out with, with a high hand, and I have victory because this is temporary. This is passing. One of the greatest words that you can ever memorize is, it came to pass because it's passing. How many of us have struggled over stuff and we have lamented? I, I don't know about you, but I tend to be a big sissy. I get a hangnail and I'm done. I'm cooked. Oh, God, you see, you don't heal. Look at my finger. You don't heal. Oh, wait, that's, I, that's another sermon. That's, that's, we'll leave that over there. I'll tell you what really happens. You want me to get really honest? I love getting honest because I think it's, it's good to be a little bit honest. So I'm gonna get real honest with you. You know, sometimes, <laughs> I'll tell you the whole story, hang on. Sometimes, 
I will preach up here and I will think from my perspective that I did horribly. Okay, then I'll have, after that, I'll have 10, 15, 20 people come up to me and go, Pastor, that was such a great sermon. Man, you touched my life. You helped me, you helped me, you helped me. Then I'll have one person, there's always one, random person walk up and go, eh, it's all right. Forget the 20 that just said it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I am now fixating on the one. I go home, Kathy, what, what was wrong with that sermon? Nothing, it was great. Well, so-and-so said, eh. She goes, well, they're an idiot. I, I don't know. It's great. I said, but but why, why would they think that? What can I do to be better? I got to get better. Why do you got to do to get better? What do you got? Why? I don't know. I got to be better. She goes, you're good enough. I said, good enough ain't good enough. She goes, well, is it about you or is it about Jesus? Oh, wait, wait, time out. That's another sermon. <laughs> and so I struggle and I'm like, oh my gosh. I can have, be so this is what's funny. So I said that in 830 service. So everybody came up to me and went, mm. <laughs> I had one person, I had one person say, you did really good. I had 20 go, mm -hmm. not my taste. So thank you for that 830 crowd. But see, sometimes that's what happens. We get so caught up in the moment. You know what? The reality is, if this is about Jesus, it don't matter what my success or failure. If you came to hear me, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you came to encounter Jesus, you will never be disappointed. Are you hearing that? And see, church, what happens is we get so caught up in the moment and we don't trust him. We put it in the hands of men. Why would we do that? We got to put it in his hands. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What's he saying? Man, this ain't it. This ain't the end. So what did they have? First, they had a perspective. Second, they had a trust. And third, their priority was in Jesus, in God. Matthew 6, says, now listen, church, this, this is so familiar that we lose this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does that mean? It means seek first the kingdom of God. and It means the kingdom of God's got to be number one. It means we can't put wife or family or job or future or house or dog, cat, whatever first. We have got to put the kingdom first. We wonder, why am I not seeing all these things added unto me? It's because we're not seeking first the kingdom. It's as simple as that. It's clear. You don't need a concordance. You don't need a commentary. Seek first the kingdom, and I'll add everything to you. Amen. If you don't seek first the kingdom, you're kind of on your own. See, overcomers have eternal perspective. They have a deep abiding trust in Jesus and a non-negotiable priority making the kingdom of God first. That's what it is to overcome. Here's the problem. 
we've become victims of a deadly love affair. This present world has become intoxicating, attractive, desirable, to the point that we've fallen in love with it, making it our priority. We love this world. We love the idea of success. We love the, let me, let me say this, and I'm not picking on anything, please. We love the idea of comfort, so much so that we won't get out of our comfort zone, so much so that we won't reach out, we won't step out a little bit. And we, we, it's like, I just, you know, I just, I just want, I just want a quaint little church where we, no, we're in battle. We, we're the army of God, man. We're, we're going forward with victory, but we fall in love with this world and its system and we put our trust in it. This is not a new problem. In 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul is speaking to Timothy and he's just given him some information. He said, Demas has forsaken me, have loving, have, having loved this present world. What's he talking about? This young man, Demas, is a, he's, a, he's a great young man. He's, a, he's like Timothy. He's another son in the faith. But along the way, something happened. Demas became attracted. He became attracted and he began to fall in love with the world. See, because if you fall in love with the world, you'll forsake what God's doing in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the Bible is clear when it comes to this idea of loving the world. Listen, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the word world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So what is he talking about here? So I'm not talking, look at. I, I, I'm not, you need to keep this in balance. We're not talking about that you can't go out and buy a house or that you can't, uh, you can't enjoy life or you can't, the, you know, there's some places on earth that I've seen that are just outrageously, incredibly beautiful. And there's things about this life that are wonderful because God did it. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about the, the, the idea of priority. See, we're talking about the fact that what we do is we make God a part of our life rather than making God our life. In other words, God gets a slice of the pie. No, God is the pie. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what does that mean? That means when I wake up in the morning, it's about him. It means when I go to work, it's about him. It means, I, I don't, you know, if you work for whoever, it ain't about working for your boss, it's about working for him. You want to get a promotion on your job, start working for Jesus. When you work for him, you will outdo anything your boss ever expects of you. Do you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, when we begin to put him first, this is how we overcome the world. See, because when we fall victim to it, when we, when we begin to fall in love with the world and its attraction and all the things of the world, what it does is it b begins to build these things on us. We begin to carry, you know, kind of like barnacles. And after a while, we begin to go through life, hindered, weighted down, all this stuff hanging off us because we just got the world on us. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, don't be entangled with the affairs of this life. Now that doesn't mean you don't go pay your bills and you don't do good. We love the world in the sense that we're bringing the kingdom of God to it. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? We love the world in the sense that God is the one that wants to change things in this world. We love the world in the sense that it's the object of what God wants to do. But we're not in love with the world in the sense that it now takes priority over God and all that it has to offer. There is nothing that this life has to offer that's greater than my relationship with Jesus. Nothing. Zero, nothing. Nothing can even compare to it. The only reason why it feels like it does is because of the fact that we have surrendered to it. See, when we get tied up in the world, it will begin to tie your feet. It'll begin to tie your hands. It'll gag your mouth. It'll hold you down. James 4.4 4 says this, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever there wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Once again, we're, we're not talking about that we've got to go up on the mountain and sequester ourselves from the world. We are in the world, not of it. Nor is this saying that we got to go be mean to the world because it's an enemy of God. That what we do is we get up on our high horse and be some sort of Christian Gestapo going and yelling and screaming at people and telling them how wrong they are. How about we go tell them how loved they are? The love of God will not fail. Look at the love of God. Loving someone does not mean that I justify them. Loving them does not mean that I accept their sin. Loving them just simply means I love them. It simply means that I value them as human beings and that they are in fact the object of God's love. I, don't ha- I can hate their sin, but I can love them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Loving, the, the, hating the world and, and rejecting that does not mean that we just, we go off and, and, and we become this weird little group of people. It means it's no longer a priority in my life. It means that it doesn't have sway. It means that I've given my life to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we're never called to fall in love with the world. We were called to overcome it. 1 John 5, 4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. We're called to overcome it. And it's impossible to overcome the world when you are in love with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look, at as I begin to bring this to a close, I want you to pay attention to something. Randy Alcorn made this statement in his book entitled Heaven. He makes this, in the introduction, he makes this statement. He says this. He says, we will spend months planning for a one-week vacation, and we know nothing about where we'll spend eternity. We need to pay attention to what heaven offers. What is that? What is heaven? We don't even know what it is. You know, we point up and go, that's heaven. That's not heaven. That's, actually, you're not even pointing up. You're pointing out if you want to get scientific. Anyway, I won't go there with you. It's like, ooh, that's up. No, it ain't. It's out. It's out. I know there's a lot of, there's, it's my weirdness. It's 
Down is not, it's, down is not down, it's actually in. <laughs> but what we do is we, we, we make statements we think we know, but we don't know. We just don't know. And because we don't know, because we end up so short-sighted, what ends up happening is we give up too soon. There's a story told in 1952, Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean. She was going to swim the distance between Catalina Island and the mainland of California. And so she began to swim, and she was an experienced swimmer. She had uh, uh, done this several times in the English Channel. So she starts off and she begins to swim. Well, when she started, it was a very foggy day. She couldn't see the other side, and so she swam, and she swam, and she swam. And finally, she came to a place where she was exhausted, and she wanted to get out. So she would tell the people in the boats next to her, I got to get out, I got to get out. But her mother kept coaching her and saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Finally, she got to a point where she just stopped swimming. She says, I'm done. Pull me out. I can't do this. It's too far. And when she got into the boat, she realized that she was only half a mile from shore. And she told in a news conference, she goes, had I been able to see the shore, I would have been able to make it all of the way. And see, and that's the problem, Christian, the reason a lot of people are falling victim to the trials and tribulations, and even worse, the reason a lot of people are distancing themselves and disconnecting from God is because they can't see the shore. Because what happens is they don't see, they're, they're, they're in a fog. Well, let me tell you something, God has given us a view of heaven. He has showed us. He said, look at, there is an eternity. And he, he tells us something. Look at John chapter 14, verses one through three. He starts off and he says, let not your heart be troubled. Why did Jesus start that way? Because Jesus is winding up his life on earth and he's beginning to, to come to the place where he's gonna be crucified. He's speaking the last things he, he can to his disciples. And he says this, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, there's gonna be some difficult days ahead of you guys, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe also, or you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. What is he saying? He goes, look it, there's a place for you. There's something more than what you can see right now. I know, you know, it's funny. I I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about, I I was thinking about my dad. My dad, as many of you knew, was a pilot. And my dad, one of the things that he always wanted to do was get his, what's called an IFR, his um, instrument rating, to where he could fly an airplane uh, higher and, and deeper in clouds and stuff like that. And what that is, is that's to where the pilot now trusts his gauges because oftentimes what happens to a, what they call a VFR pilot is they'll fly into a cloud and they can't see the horizon anymore. But their body, their feelings are telling them one thing. They feel like they've kind of twisted a little bit and they look at their gauges, it says they're level, but they don't want to trust that. So they make, start making adjustments until finally when they fly out of the cloud, they're completely upside down. And that's a lot of Christians because see, what we don't want to do is trust the instruments. We don't want to trust this. We, we fall in love with the feeling. We fall in love with the immediate. And what we do is we, we take it and go, this has got to be, how, how can something that feels, I think Alex used this the other day, how can something that feels so right be so wrong? Because it's wrong. 
Your feelings will lie to you. They will give you wrong information. That's why we got to look back at the gauges. We come back, and what did Jesus say? He goes, I'm going to prepare a place for you. For you. Do you know heaven is prepared for you? Heaven's going to be a great place, man. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you like. Maybe you like going trout fishing. You and Jesus are going trout fishing. Maybe you like antiquing. I believe God's got some cool antiques. Hallelujah. You know what? what you know what I want to do when I get to heaven? I want to go to Andromeda. So what's Andromeda? It's a galaxy about 2.1 million light years away. It's the closest galaxy to us. See, in heaven, you travel faster than the speed of light. You travel at the speed of thought. So how do you know that? Well, I don't, it's not in the Bible, but it is what I believe. And it's right. So we'll just go with it. And you can argue with me later, but I still believe it. See, I want, I, wanna, I want Jesus to take me on a tour of creation. See, look, at, the earth ain't the only thing he created. I want, it, I want him to take me, I want him to take me to places that only the Hubble telescope can see. I want to stand there and go, wow. That's heaven to me. He prepared that for me. Amen. You mean he went, yes, he made it for me. When he made that, he thought of me. And he thought of you. That's where I want to be. See, that, see, what happens is that helps me fight. It helps me fight. It's like, you know what? This little piddling nincompoop thing don't mean nothing. When, when, when you go, hey, you're going to have to go on a diet for 90 days or go to Andromeda. I, I'm going to Andromeda. <laughs> you know what? In heaven, we're all thin. Amen. That's what I want. Heaven is a great place. It's a city. As the Bible says in Psalm 46, 4, it says, there's a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. John said this, he says, then I, John, saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What does that mean? It means it's a city. What does a city mean? It means this, there's union, there's relationship, there's activity, there's purpose. We're not going to be a bunch of little angels with some feathers on our back carrying a harp sitting on a cloud. We're going to Andromeda. How many want to go? Let's go. It's a great place. It's great. Did you, I, <laughs> do you know there's colors in heaven that we can't describe? What if, what if color actually has flavor? What, 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 what if flowers sing in heaven? I don't know. That's my imagination. God says, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above your imagination. If you want to talk about imagination, talk about God's imagination. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Heaven is our home. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? He said to the missionary, you're not home yet. Are you hearing me? Oh, man, heaven. See, when I think about heaven, it gives me a new 
thing to fight. I want to fight. Say nothing. Get out of my way. I'm heading somewhere. I'm, I'm just, this is just, this is temporary. This is just a moment in time. Don't mean nothing. And I've been given the power to overcome you anyway. Get out of my way. I'm heading somewhere. See, we need that. We, we need to see, and God even tells us to talk to each other like that. Why? Because it encourages each other. See, that's how you get, that's where we get to where we're not so um, in love with the moment. No, no, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things in this life that are really cool. There's a lot of things, and it's okay, but it can't be the priority. And what we do is we talk to one another. We say, you know where I'm going? I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven, man. It might take me 54 more years to get there, but you know what? That's just a drop in the bucket for how long I'll be there. I'm going. I'm going. I close with this last story. I hope I can do it justice. There was a song that was written years and years ago called, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. It says, I've decided to follow Jesus. I don't have all the words. It says, though none follow, still I'll, fo- I'll follow Jesus. And it's such a powerful, because if you heard it sung, it's such a powerful, powerful song. But you say, well, where did that come from? That came from a man that was a missionary that had gotten saved during the Welsh revival. And he went to India. And as he's in India as a missionary, the, the king of the tribe that he went to minister to uh, decided to martyr him and his family. And he wanted the man to renounce his belief in Jesus. And so the king brought his children and killed them one by one as the man watched. And the whole time he sang, I've decided to follow Jesus. And they killed his wife. And finally they put him up to be killed, to be martyred. And he sat there, and while he was being martyred, he declared these words. He goes, I belong to Jesus, and I've decided to follow him. And you know, the reality is today, that is the decision we need to make. I'm convinced today, and this is where it gets very, very simple. I'm convinced today the reason that a lot of Christians, people that have acknowledged their faith in Christ, struggle as they have not yet acknowledged their decision to follow him. And that statement, though none go with me, look at, you have to decide that if none of your family go, I'm going. And let me tell you something, that is the hope of your family. See, what this world is waiting for is somebody to stand up and be real. What they're waiting for is rather than Christians being against everything, that they're actually for something. Rather than Christians being condemning, that they would be loving. That they would actually demonstrate the power that exists in them. See, it was years ago that a, a man said these words. He said, the world's not looking for a new definition of the gospel, but a new demonstration of the gospel. And I believe today that's what America is looking for. I believe that's what Kingman is looking for. I believe that there are a lot of people, there are multitudes in Kingman that would 
would happily give their lives to Christ if they found somebody that just would be real, that would actually be in love with Jesus following him. It's so easy to confess faith with no action. We've become much in our modern world, we've become so enamored with being like them as to not offend or upset. And that's okay, I understand where that comes from. It comes from a good heart. But at some point in time, our Christianity has to be distinctive. There has to be a difference between this world and us. And listen, I'll say this and I'm done. Light and salt, Jesus said you're light and we're salt, are distinctive. You will never walk into a room that's brightly lit and be confused at what's there. What is, what is all this? No, you won't. If you stand up on this stage and you have these right lights, you're never confused at how bright it is. You're just not like, what is that? What is that? It's light. You will never eat any food that's over-seasoned with salt and go, hmm, wonder what that is. Man, these potato chips are salty. Salt is distinctive. It stands out. That's the point. Jesus says, go stand out. Don't hide your light in a bucket. But light, stand on a hill and be a light. Not everybody's going to like you. And there's going to be some that come against you. And Jesus said, if they did that to me, they'll do that to you. But you know what? I'll be with you and I prepare a place for you. And you know what? You're not even of this world, so don't worry about it because you're just going through. And you'll be on the other side real soon. You'll be with me forever. That's how you overcome this world. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you. God, we just give you glory. We give you honor today. And Father, we pray, Lord, that this would just become a revelation to us, Lord, that we would hang on to it. Lord, that we would embrace it. And Father, that you would cause this to rise up within us. Father, that we would fix our eyes upon eternity, upon you, that we would seek first the kingdom, making you the priority of our lives. I wonder as every head bowed and every eye closed today, you're here and you'd say, I don't know Jesus is my savior. I'm not right with God. If that's you, would you lift your hand today? Would you lift it up? Amen, maybe you're here today. And you say, at one time I walked with God, but today I'm out of relationship. I, I, I want to be back. I want to rededicate my life. If that's you, would you lift it up? Amen. Amen. I see those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here, in just a moment, we're going to have, in fact, I want our prayer team, ministry team to come forward right now. Those of you that raised your hand, when we dismiss, I want you to come up. I want you to come up and I want you to talk to one of these and I want you to just let them pray for you and minister to you and let them, let them touch your life and let them uh, help you in, in your journey. Amen. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. We're gonna release you, let you go. God bless you. You have a great, wonderful afternoon. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.